0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 173 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Finish Line Fencing, the original and only warranted horse fence of its kind. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have some fun for you. We're going to talk about science and master farriers and a lame horse. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me. Hi, Jen.
2: Greetings, Debbie. Here we are again, episode 173. Did you ever
1: imagine when you started doing this podcast? (laughs) Not a chance. Not Not a chance. chance, 173. I thought... Maybe 13. Like I heard TV episodes came in 13s all year or something like that. That was the old days, the old days. Now they're on Netflix. But but yeah, I thought maybe we'd make it through 13 of these or so. And yeah, 173. That's incredible. Yeah, and a couple of awards in there. i have been fortunate.
2: couple of in there. That's right. Some really cool, amazing guests. And it's funny because one of the things that we are asked often by podcasters who are not horse people is mm-hmm. Oh, you do podcasts about horses. What do you talk about? It's horses, <laughs> right? You, Four legs. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what do you talk about? <laughs> and it never ceases to amaze me. This and many of the other shows that I do, all of the other shows I do, it's a never ending
1: stream of light bulb yeah. moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we're trying to take with horsemanship radio, too. It, it it started off as, well, Monty's sort of known for nonviolent training. Some people call it natural horsemanship, which we've had dad correct us on that, right? It's not very natural for a, a carnivore to be jumping on a prey animal and allowing them to like it, you know, it doesn't make much sense. So natural horsemanship is sort of a misnomer, but it was sort of the direction we thought about when we were thinking about this. But we've taken this to a whole nother level. Not only have we had incredible guests, my gosh, think about the the Olympic champions that we've had on here. And then, you know, the Olympic horse lovers (laughs) that we've had on here too, right? (laughs) Grand, grand people. And, and I like, you know, I tend to be the geeky side of this and like the science behind it too, because I think if we if we can inject some science in our horsemanship and make it make sense to in, in the physiology and everything that a horse and a person deals with, then it, I don't know, it lends some validity to those people who say, ah, a horse is a horse, like you were just talking about. Yeah, so
2: I think uh. you're right. Yes, I, I agree in that I love the sciencey stuff too because we're doing a better job now than ever before of discovering ways to prove or disprove series when it comes mm-hmm. to behavioral science. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that it works better for me if I understand. I will I will be more likely to take better care of my truck if I understand how it works. Mm-hmm. That's right? true. And I don't understand my truck, and I'm sorry I don't take very good <gasps> care of it. But one of the light bulb mm-hmm. moments most recently, I love to tell everybody about my light bulb moments, is the previous episode from this one, 172, Monty was talking about Thigmo, Texas. Right. Yes. Which from the complete layman's point of view is the tendency of the horse to be moved towards pressure. Right. And he, he brought up the idea and it had never occurred to me before, but when he explained it, it made perfect sense. lightbulb moment, spatial thigmotaxis. And mm-hmm. if you didn't, if you don't know what spatial thigmotaxis is, that means you didn't listen to episode 172. 72. <laughs> and you need to go back and do that because that was right. fascinating. And I try to apply the light bulb moments that I have here on the show and the other shows to my everyday interactions with my horses, Okay, Nigel, my big thoroughbred, and Scooter, Glenn's hackney pony. And whenever I am interacting with Scooter, Scooter is a very, very mouthy pony. He wants to chew on things. He wants to play with things with his lips. Mm -hmm. And... One of the things that has always driven me crazy about Scooter is not only is he very, very into pressure in that it's, it's hyper into pressure for Scooter. Anything that touches his body, he just tenses right up and pushes towards it. Oh, wow. But whenever I work with him, he he wants to touch me. He actually seeks out me to create physical pressure. He wants he, his face is on me. And, and I just thought, you know, he's just doing that because he wants to irritate me and get slobber all over me when I really don't want to be slobbered on. Right. You
1: think that's what he's thinking. OK.
2: And then your dad brought up spatial thigmotaxis. This is very interesting. So I didn't do it. I did. I tried not to do anything differently than I do every other morning, but I tried to be observant and cognizant of what was going on a little more situational awareness. I wanted to get that better. And I noticed that when I'm in, when I'm with Scooter, if I'm facing him, I'm making what I would call eye contact, I'm facing him squared up to him, there's Scooter and we're doing our thing. And I work very, very hard to use as tiny and light a physical signal as I can with him because I know the end pressure part, he's going to respond better if it's very, very tiny. Right. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, I'm looking at him and he's just, he's there and he's waiting for a physical signal of something. But whenever he's got his lips on me, his face on me, he's just touching me. and It's, it's literally touching, just like a dog comes up and a, mm-hmm. when a dog sniffs you, he sometimes sniffs you with his nose physically touching you. It's when I'm turned away from him and not necessarily with my back to him. But when I get to that about 45 degree angle, that um. kind of a magical position mm-hmm. between horse and human, that is when... It is
1: most consistently happening. That's very interesting. And what describe what he does then from that moment that you turn at forty five.
2: That's when his nose comes over and starts to. It, he, he's touching me. He's he's physically his little lips rubbing back and forth on my elbow, or he 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 bumps me. Or most of the time it's it's kind of that you know that scratchy scratchy motion they make with their lip.
1: Yep. It's
2: usually that. That's the most common
1: one. Okay. So, you know when two horses are standing together, they get along in a field, and they wrap their necks. They're facing opposites, and they wrap their necks over each other's withers, and they scritchy-scratchy, like how the mom does it to the foal. You see that quite often. He is treating you like another horse. So, he's actually, I mean, I'm not seeing this. So, I'm assuming that he's not picking your pockets for treats or anything, but if I'm going to assume that he is treating your body like another horse sort of would be in the field, that 45 is an invitation. And that's what the mother will do as an invitation for her foal to move and cross a body axis and turn 45 on the angle and avert the eyes. You can still see, you know, you can still see a little scooter in your eye. Yeah. (laughs) mm -hmm, Yeah. Peripheral vision. That's right. So you're safe. It's not like turning your back on a horse. But you've actually done that invitation to come over here and screechy scratchy. So when a horse does approach you and even touch you a little bit, remember, they don't have hands or fingers. So, you know, th- this is their way of tactile anyway, you mm-hmm. know, so some are more tactile than others. But um, yeah, I love that because that he he is treating you like um, part of the family. That's exactly yeah. what it is. He's part you're part of the family and you're just going to be, you know, screechy scratchy. Maybe you're you don't have a wither that I can quite find, but, <laughs> but gonna, I'd love to rub go on for you. it. He's
2: going to go. Hey, let's, let's do this. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. mutual grooming the deer do it too they do it almost in the same spot yeah of the, that kind of wither area at uh, the base of the neck you know where they where they can't reach you know so it is such a nice little thing too but it's it's a self grooming thing but it's also a kind gesture now some people will say i don't let my horses get in the bubble i don't like that at all yeah. it kind of depends are you are you working right then you know if you're in pro level and you're you're supposed to be training or behaving or maybe you're saddling or something then of course you don't want them bugging you you know with their mm-hmm. face they should keep a bubble but yeah, horses know when they're at work and when they're at right relaxation right. you know i don't right. want to say play because it,
2: he loves to do it like when i'm out pe- cleaning the cleaning the paddock he lives in a little dry line nice. and yeah. when i'm out there picking the poops or if i go out there to pick up the hay nets and bring them back in he'll just stroll on over and it's very interesting because of that light bulb moment mm-hmm. last week episode 172 mm-hmm. um I reacted a little bit differently to it in that. Cause typically it's, like, Oh geez, would you just just get away? I'm trying to do stuff. You're getting crap all over me, et cetera. <laughs> or it's like, no, 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 no. You're inside my bubble. You might, you might possibly bite me, et cetera, et cetera. Because my horsey upbringing was the horse was never allowed in the bubble period. End of story. Mm-hmm. Right. That was pretty common, pretty very common. common. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought, you know, that's just scooter being scooter. I just need to turn around And use my body language to say, no, thank you. So that I, because what I was ended up doing is I was turning my, that degree, unintentionally. I wasn't going, I'm going to turn. I just happened to be at that angle. Or he would present himself to
1: that angle. Yes, yes, that's true.
2: But I was inadvertently giving him mixed signals because my body language was saying to him, oh, invitation time, let's go play. But... That's not what I really wanted to say. And then I was saying, wrong answer. He's going, no, 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 that's the right answer. That's what you're supposed to do. So it was just a complete breakdown of communications in that what he was saying to me isn't what I was hearing. So now I'm more cognizant of, okay, if I've got my body here and he comes over to rubble over me or to scratchy scratchy with with his lips, I shouldn't say, how dare you, because that's what I asked for. I need to put my body in a different place. Or I need to face him and ask him to back
1: up and move right. away, or, or things like that. So that's it. I that was kind Shoulders of cool. square. It is a cool, it's a, it is a light bulb moment. And I'm glad you experienced it because I think a lot of times people look back on don't do this to yourself but they look back on their child and they go like oh i didn't know so much about horses how do i apologize to those old you know to old <laughs> oliver you know i just oh i wish i could but don't beat yourself up because you know very few people had observed these things and look at how long we've been using horses in our cultures just forever and so isn't it great that we have a breakthrough i mean i think it's wonderful and and if people are wondering well, how do you Tell the horse I don't want you to, and it, it, learn the language equus. Study on our Monty Roberts University if you're curious about it. The language would be exactly what a mare does. Really, we don't have their same body, but she'll square up. So you, you just put your shoulders square, and you put eyes on eyes, and you just be you know a little bit more assertive looking, and they'll back off. They're like, oh ok, she doesn't want me to yeah. kiss her today, yeah. you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be angry. There's not a drop adrenaline that has to be raised in in the situation. It's a body language. Some people even kind of hold their hands to their chest or your shoulders or whatever and then kind of raise your elbows a little bit mm. <laughs> if you need like flapping like a chicken a little bit you know if they if you have a horse that's really you know kind of getting in your face you can do that or you know if you have one nah. now we're not talking an aggressive horse we're talking a horse that you ride all the time or you're, you know you've got a yes, horse your soulmate yes yes exactly yes. they that's a, know that's
2: a, that's a great way to do it though is just head on over to bonnie com and mm-hmm. hop onto the university because you can you still get day passes
1: Oh, yeah. So if, yeah, if you've never done if you've never
2: gone over there before and you're not, you're just like kind of curious about what is all this, Um, you can go in and get a day pass. What would be a good, because you can search all those videos, what would oh be a gosh, good yeah. word to search for to find a, a basic idea mm-hmm. of what we're talking about?
1: I would put language in there to start because it's going to shuffle it. It's going to shuffle by equus language. It's going to be horse, you know, body language. There's so much info. We have over 600 at this current date uh, lessons on there. But it it is also laid out in sort of the foundational lessons at the top of the Mm -hmm. different tabs they have. There's so many different ways to cross reference it. But yeah, I would look for language, body language, equus first, and just see how it shuffles. The search engine's really strong. So yeah. Good. Good Nido tip. Keen. Good tip. Thank you, Jen. know Keen. Yet another light bulb moment provided
2: by Horsemanship Radio, episode one number number 172. So to get on with <laughs> 173, uh, mm-hmm. can't wait to get to listening to our first guest. But before we do that, of course, we have to hear from our title sponsor, which is Finish Line Fencing. Light bulb moment there, because once you go to their website or call them on the phone and learn about this cool stuff, you're going to have a light bulb moment too. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm here with Kim and Lisa. I'm really excited to talk to them a little bit about finish line fencing. You are a little different than things that i had been seeing out there, and I'm always trying to problem solve with different areas. We have 80 acres here on the farm. So I'm hoping you can tell me a little bit about finish line fencing.
3: Hi, Debbie. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Finish Line itself has actually been out for over 30 years now, and you've probably seen it all over the place, but you just never realized it was Finish Line. So it's kind of like the next generation of fencing. One -hmm. of the best things I think
2: uh,
1: Finish Line has to offer people is that when they're getting, you know, having a farm is just a lot of work, as we all know, and this, this type of fencing is absolutely zero maintenance. So basically what they do, it's lightweight. You can install it yourself very quickly. It works with any type of posts. So it's very simple and can work in a lot of different situations. But the best thing about it is once you install it, you really never have to retention the material. So it's pretty much your one and done.
3: It can handle any type of environment. It can handle the the sun and the UV rays that's UV inhibited throughout. Or if you are up in the freezing cold at the top of a mountain, it can handle all of that snow and have no effect on the finish line itself.
1: Yeah, I I don't know of another kind of fencing that can do that. Well, I have a lot of friends who have acreage that they really scratch their heads when it comes to have to put in fencing, and it sounds like this actually is a solve.
3: So you can actually check out our website. It is finishlinefence.com. Our Facebook page is Finish Line Fence, Um, or give us a call. Our number is 877-625-6100.
1: Susan Tobias opened her Newport Beach physical therapy facility in 1987 as a unique total fitness and rehabilitation center. Growing up riding horses, she loved what her Peruvian paso horses do for mind and body. Then her mare, Hermosa, became chronically lame, and she sought to find top professionals to help her horses rehab. She found hope in certified master farrier Coco Fernandez. Well, welcome. I've got two people here who are passionate about horses, and I'm really glad to have you on together. It's sort of a tandem thing because we have in common a lovely mare by the name of Hermosa. And Susan, how old is You are the owner of this beautiful Peruvian paso named Hermosa, and how old is she now? She's six and a half now, and she's a sweetheart, just so a gentle yeah. She sure is. And where did you get her? Where did you acquire her? You
3: know what? I got Hermosa from a friend of mine, um, Nikki Hymas, and she owns a breeding Peruvian horse uh, place up in Sun Valley, but she ended up getting Hermosa from an acquaintance of hers in Arizona. And I'll give you a little background on Hermosa. When she was born, her mother um, didn't want to nurse her, so they had to take her and then take her into the house and mm-hmm. they kind of hand nursed her um, human wise and she was born with really long pastures. I just, I didn't know that, What well, I learned from Coco that pastures are different lengths or can be in different horses and I just thought horses all had the same pastures. <laughs> yeah. They don't. So that's kind of what we're dealing with and mm-hmm. and I'll probably let Coco tell you a little bit more about the issue with her probably when she was born, which, which we're working with now. So, right. and it's, it's basically helping to save her life to have
1: right. a, yeah, a, a quality of life, you know? so Exactly. So the premise is that, yeah, this the, the interview was put together just because I think people should know about wonderful equine orthopedic, Professionals, certified master farriers like coco fernandez welcome coco thank you Debbie. i'm so glad to have you on you have a beautiful website and coco cab- caballo but that's with a b yeah and and you would say caballo i imagine but people should yeah. look him up because susan has had horses uh, most of your life right susan
3: Yes, yes. Since yes.
1: I was ten years old. Mm-hmm. Yes, since you were ten years old. So you know horses. This is not. You're, we're not dealing with a, an owner who does not know what she's talking about. She uh, and you've been consistently owning horses and dealing with horses, and especially Peruvian pasos for a very long time. Coca, what's your experience with the gated horses? The the uh, in this case specifically, uh, the Peruvian paso.
4: Well, I was born and raised in Lima, Peru. There we go. So I've been around Peruvian Passos and Thoroughbreds. Those are the two main breeds that, that I've been around in Peru because my family raised Thoroughbreds and they they had a really big stable. They were the number one in South America for 14 years in a row. Uh, the name was Quaker State, like the oil, because my grandfather was a rep for the Quaker State oil, so he named the stables Quaker State also, and um so I was pretty much born on a racetrack and, and raised on a racetrack, you know. And then uh on the other hand, uh Peruvian Paso is the main horse, you know, overall in, in the whole country. And so I've been involved in both worlds, which it's funny because they both both breed, they, they're very they're very alike in, in their physique, in their angles, they're very slopy shoulders. Mm-hmm. And uh so that 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 brings you know, in the longer pasture side and more slopy side, more underslung heels that comes with it. So that a story to tell about those heels because they're tricky and uh, there's a lot of uh, misinformation about uh, those heels. You know, well, so, that's
1: that's a, that's a good point, and that's that is part of our story here. So Susan finds herself with a horse that is. A little gimping and uh, not doing well behind. And so when did you get called into it, Coco, to, were you after Dr. Letty, who was the veterinarian on the case? I was called
4: to work on her, <clears throat> what, about a month ago or mm-hmm. three weeks ago
3: or yeah. something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
4: So th- there's two things that I see in, in her, you know, confirmation-wise. She got long postures and, um, her legs are very thin, you know, very petite, to where mm-hmm. I can grab the the cannon bone and the suspensory apparatus. So that means all the tendons with one hand and close my fingers in the other side. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a little weak, you know, definitely in that side. There's not a lot of uh, mass, bone or tendons there to support her weight. So, mm-hmm. and also with the long posture, it comes the uh, underslung heels, and if you grow those slung heels it, it works against you you know you're taking support of the horse, not giving the support that people think as you grow the heels you
1: know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so Susan, tell us what was happening to hermosa why did you feel that she needed she needed help? was she just dead lame? Well, you know what what ended up happening? well yeah pretty much I, it was it was
3: almost a year ago Christmas, this coming Christmas it was about like ten months ago. And I took her out, and all of a sudden, you know, Peruvian pastos have a certain gait. And I was just walking her, because I could tell she was a little off. And then we were headed home, and she picked up her gait. And all of a sudden, it, like, kept slipping out. It was almost like her back hind leg just kept slipping. And I went, wait, wait a minute. So um, at that point in time, I got off of her and walked her home. And then the next day... She woke up and she was almost like three legged, to where you, she couldn't even put any weight on that that one leg. And then what happened at that point in time is I called another vet and um, she came out and she she gave her some bute and bantamine and or not banamine, but bute and and injections of bute to kind of get her comfortable and just said and we did a lot of x rays. And there wasn't any major arthritis or anything like that. And she said, Well, I don't know what to tell you, just give her the butte and that's it. I mean, she never even looked at her confirmation of her legs like like Coco was describing. Mm-hmm. And so um, at that point in time I was getting frustrated and then another vet came and said, Well, I think you just gotta put her down and I said, Wait a minute, she's so young, you know, she's only not even, you know, six at that time. And I thought, God, you know, I got to try and find something else out. So then I um, called Dr. Luddy and got him involved. And he gave her injection, was able to get her pretty well comfortable. But there again, you know, he did the x-rays and nothing really showed up much. But he was saying, you know, her past turns are really long. And then that's when I got um, Coco, who had come down and trend the horses a while ago and then i got coco involved because i thought coco's amazing and highly respected and i thought he and he i know he's probably one of the busiest barrier orthopedic farriers that i know and he because of his love for peruvian passos offered to come down and drive all the way from solvang to work on on hermosa and, and in or- which or- really you're in Orange did. County. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Orange County.
1: So, yeah, that's Three true. hour drive on a, on a good day.
3: Yeah. <laughs> on a good yeah. day. And so I really appreciated Coco for taking um, Hermosa on cause I, I didn't know what else to do. And, and Dr. Luddy, so Coco did these corrective shoes and I'll let Coco tell you a little bit more about what he did, but that really helped her out and brought her past or brought her Heels up to take the pressure off the off the pastor and I think you know we still have you know work to do with her but you know she's she's gonna I think she's gonna make it so but it was to the point where I was like really worried about her long term you know as far as you know because horses on three legs isn't a really good combination that's (laughs) not a good thing
1: you know yeah i'll ask coco then you know about the first time you see her mosa well maybe you've trimmed her at this point before but do do you think this is a horse that needs to be put down and what how do you assess that coco that's a lot of responsibility
4: yeah no I, i i'm not um in favor to put her to sleep you know she's very young and You know, like I said, she's got a couple of confirmation problems, but that's not a death sentence. You know, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. So there's stuff that you can do, supports and angles and and stuff that you can work with uh, in order to make her more comfortable and have her live uh, a happy, longer life, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and and so when you are called into a situation like that, can we expect our our farriers to work together with a veterinarian and uh, you know point out those things that can be done? Like it seems like there should be layers of decision making here, not just I don't know how many Susan did you say you had two other farriers before Dr. Letty who both kind of threw up their hands.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they just threw up their hands and said you just got to put her down.
1: Pretty much, mm-hmm. I was
3: great like, wait, wait a minute. So I was a little like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I just was like, you know, grasping at straws. But that's when I talked to Coco, and he said, you know, I, we can do the lifts on our heels and, and bring it up. And it, it, it it's, it's amazing. I wish I could send you or Coco could send you the pictures of before and after he put the shoes on her feet. It was amazing. I think I sent them to you, Debbie. But I I it's that's phenomenal. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's phenomenal what the difference that it made in her back legs.
1: It's a great story, Coco. And you, you probably hear these stories all the time. But those of us who, uh, you know, are not involved with horsemanship as much and who are listening to this might say, gosh, how do I, you know, how do I get a hold of Coco? <laughs> That'd be the first thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, if you've got a thoroughbred yeah. or, you're, you know, in the California area, people should definitely not take the first or second or maybe third no on their horse and and I know how easy it is to mess up a horse with bad hoof care for sure but it, but one thing you told me Susan that was interesting is that she's had these long pastures since she was born and so why are we not recognized good horsemanship should be involved in these things you know from our professionals for sure from from an early age for their first trim, you know, that we would be looking at confirmation. It's a good admonition to us horse people to ask our professionals, whether it be farrier or bed or whatever it is, nutritionist, what our horse, what's unique to our horse that should be looked at uniquely for the rest of their life uh, or something that can be corrected and then forgotten about for the rest of their life. Coco, how many, time do, how many times do people, you know, ask you professionally if their horse, uh, needs to go in a different direction.
4: Well, I recommend my clients um, to call me when the fall is born. Mm. You know, um, and I I'll, I'll go there in the first few days, in the first three to five days a week. You know, uh, within uh, <clears throat> within birth. You know, to assess the the fall and 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 see what I you know what I can do to make it better because. A herd of horses will travel 20, 25 miles a day in 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 looking for better pastures and water, etc. So a foal is dropping the ground. it's gonna get up and it has gotta follow the herd for 20 miles. So that cycle of growth of the hoof and wear off of the hoof walking that makes the the the, the perfect situation under nature, right? Um, so in order to 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 do that indoor you need 30,000 acres, you know, to do that on a ranch, you know. Yeah. A, so number one, uh natural selection will get in there, and if the horse cannot follow that herd for 20 miles, he'll get left behind, he'll get eaten. That's number one, you know, so what we're trying to do here is to assess the situation if 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 the horse that I, I, I have seen and, and work in, in many of these that, that are born with too much, too, too long of a posture. What happened is, if you see the pictures that I have there in my website, you'll see those heels down and the toe is up in the air. It's not even touching the ground. Only the heels are touching the ground. So what happened, um, there is a suspensory ligament which is called interocious. And that ligament, when the horse is born, On the upper part, there is a lot of uh, uh, muscle tissue. And in the first five, six months of age of that horse, there will be a replacement of tissue. And that muscle is going to shrink and it's going to have like a metamorphosis is going to happen. And more tendon cells are going to replace those muscle cells. I see. so what happened when you have that long of a posture and the pastures are in the floor and the hooves are up in the air, that interocious, that suspensory ligament is overstretched. It's hyper-stretched, hyper-extend. So it's bigger. It's larger than if it wouldn't be up like a normal, regular horse. So that transformation is going to happen. So you're going to end it up with a longer suspensory ligament or interocious, you know? Um, so that's probably what happened with her and that's, you know, after that transformation happened, that's what you get for the rest of their life, you know. Yeah. So, so you're going to have a horse with lower pastures, you know, uh, closer to the ground. And, and so after that, yeah, the horse is going to have a few problems, you know, during, during their life. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to give that extra support at birth. Mm-hmm. So, what happened if I put a, a glue on shoe with an extension on the back? So, those pastures are going to be upper, you know, more up. And if you see that picture in my website, you, you'll really recognize the difference. And um, so, that interruption, when that transformation is going to happen, it's going to happen with the tendon and the suspensory ligament in, in not hyperextend. So, it will be in a normal size and normal extension, you know, not hyperextended. So, so right after that, you take the shoes off, and boom, you're gonna have uh, the, uh, a normal-looking pastures, you know, uh, with a with a, with a slope that you want. If you follow the pasture it, it's gotta match with the the hoof wall on the on the front of yeah. the dorsal wall. It's gotta be a straight line. It can be a broken axis, you know, if it's too much heel or not enough heel that axis is going to be broken. It's going to be, you know, not straight. So, so yeah, that's what I, I recommend, you know, owners to call their farriers and vets right when the fall is born, no matter if it has a problem or not. So we can assess the the issue if there is any, or we can just give it a a regular trim to match the, what the, the 20 miles that the horse is going to, Walk following the herd in the wild, you know,
1: naturally. Yeah, so people should go to your site. I'm looking at the most amazing pictures of longer pasterns than desired. This he has so much on his website. So I'm looking at Coco Caballo. So I'm going to spell that for everybody C O C O C A B A L L O dot com. And if you look on new hyphen page hyphen five, you'll see. That case of longer pastures than desired, and what Coco did to actually, in was it three months? Yeah, you have a two weeks, and then eight weeks, and then three months old problem six yeah. for the rest of yep. its life. This horse has now gone, you know, he's three months old and now has uh, a whole life in front of him and literally could not walk because of long pastures at birth. So we have to do two things. I think, Coco, you're, you're giving us two messages here. One, we have to be careful on our breeding (laughs) and and what we're, we're doing in our breeding operations, but we also have to correct what, uh, you know, what comes out and what God gives us. So I, I love what you're doing. Susan, I'm so glad you brought this story to Horsemanship Radio. I think it's, It's a great example of don't take the first answer especially if it's to put your horse down without a really good reason and obviously there's no good reason here Hermosa can have a great life in front of her we wished we'd gotten uh, you know Coco and Hermosa together when she was first born but we we can still yes. uh, we, we can still correct and that is true too in in all the conformation of a horse's body the more we can do correctly from an early age building muscle uh, building frame on our horse the, um, the, the more that body will hold up over the years too. And we do like watching a really responsible trainer do that. So thank you, Coco. And thank you, Susan, both for for sharing this. Susan, I hope you're you're feeling a lot better about Hermosa's future.
3: I, I am. Coco's been just a godsend. So I'm really excited about that. So, you know, and I know it's still a work in progress, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we're on the right path. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Thank
1: you, Coco. Thank you for for being such a great example of natural selection laws and and trying to get it right for our horses.
4: Yeah, no problem. Coco's
1: amazing. It was a
4: pleasure. Uh Coco for you, ladies.
1: Thank you. We'll have you back, Coco. Thank you, Coco. Coco. All right, thank you. (laughs) Okay, wonderful.
0: A couple of years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has
1: developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing for- You know a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with
0: the whiners on forums.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's it's almost the polar opposite. Because, um, the, we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And, uh, once the rosettes started, now we have, uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you, you have those rosettes by your forum, uh, personality and your profile and uh so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, Hey, if you watched this lesson? So people come on there and they're using it as a um as a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there. And I and I'm not bragging on on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, It really is cool. So when they watch the lessons, and they can watch them over and over again as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week, Without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question. He answered it and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's, it's open on our, um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking, but it is, um, it is, it's been an incredible experience actually to put these together with Stefan Peters and will Simpsons you know who I'm talking about these these guys have won everything yep. in their mm-hmm. worlds and uh, Charlotte bradalls and and if I get started rich Richard winners and so many guest lecturers that are on there too so some people ask why is it called the university well that's what a university is it's uh, it's not just one opinion it's not just one deliverer you know and and I think that's the difference between the uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube these days and they're free so people ask us sometimes why do you charge like up to ten dollars a month and well it's it's expensive to make the university everybody knows quality is is uh, not cheap but it, it's really our mission statement and I know that sounds a bit trite but it's true <laughs> when you when you've worked at it for five years just to get all that quantified and on there There are just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point but um, but dad and I were looking at the list and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s." And I went, "Yes." <laughs> so <laughs> promise and sign here. <laughs> <laughs> so so we do have we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn?
0: Well, I think that one of the things about training horses as it same as training anything really mm-hmm. uh, is that you're you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new Problem to solve, uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with, and what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So, not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with right. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum.
3: Yeah. So, you know,
0: that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is, you know, you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and, you know, some of them are good. Some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, oh. it
1: was, you know, it's, you know, that, <laughs> at least you didn't hurt yourself.
0: That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Um, uh, nice. you know, that's it's cool. worth it to do it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. (laughs) But it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that uh, so many people have been um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, the website right now is um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about. And, uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you, you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q&A database, and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you um, pick up those keywords from too. So, um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And, um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know what, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up. Um, Nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be, first you have to do one, and then you have to do number two, and then you have to do number three, and like it was some sort of programmed Process yeah, because that never works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. You know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this? Or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level. Or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you you can just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons. Right, and it's exactly. a whole
0: series on it, you know? And it's com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking.
1: Waldo Junquera Franco founded an IT company, Broad PC, 20 years ago in the competitive Southern California area after moving from Brazil. His talents are in progressive methods of technology and efficiency. Wow. Beatrice, his wife, has been part of their building of that business, too. Now, 20 years later, his success has allowed him the time to get back into horses, but in a big way. He's starting seven wild horses on his family farm in Brazil in December. The so welcome, Waldo Junquera-Franco. I'm so glad to have you on. That's very impressive name, Waldo. Thank you.
5: Happy to be here today.
1: I'm happy to have you on. You have such a fantastic story. And I wanted to tell the listeners a little bit about how we met first. You signed up for a class that my producer, Jen, has always wanted to go to this class the Gentling Wild Horse course that we have every summer. And it's fun because this is the only time we do all year, other than the advanced interns, where we have feral horses basically come in and take this course. We provide this course for people who have never really seen a lot of, of wild horses, first of all. That's that's the probably the most common denominator with people who come and take this course. And they don't have the opportunity to work with them, certainly. So we're, we were happy to have a couple of people during this COVID year, have, have just a few students that were able to come because Europe usually fills the course. And you showed up with your wife, Beatrice. And what was the... The reasoning that you showed up is part of our story, but I th- I think the curious thing is you you showed up with Beatrice, your wife, and the first thing she told me is I'm afraid of horses.
5: That's true. She was very <laughs> uncomfortable with horses, um, and you know we go to Brazil every year. We have a farm down there, and one of the things that bugs the hell out of me. Um, excuse my words, is that I love to go to the farm and I like to uh, ride horses when we're there, but she never wants to go. Mm -hmm. And when we found Monty Roberts and we brought her there and we had this amazing experience with Monty on the Gently Wild Horses, Mm -hmm. she started to get familiar with the horse and becomes more comfortable. And now she's asking me, she wants to go to the farm. She can't wait to go to the farm. That's what I've been waiting all my life to hear from my wife.
1: (laughs) That's fantastic. I know, the farm in Brazil. And so tell us a little bit about the history of of your family farm in Brazil.
5: So I was raised going to, during the summer vacations and over the weekend, we would go to the farm. Uh, We have a farm, which is like 15 minutes from the city. So I used to go with my grandfather and, you know we would ride horses over the weekend and have fun it's being a family fun for us it's business for my grandfather you know they did dairy that was the main business was dairy nowadays it's a lot of At least the sugar cane plantation but we always had horses there and you know we had fun with horses when we were kids mm-hmm. and that's on my mom's side on my father's side uh he hired a piece of land and he sold young But somehow he managed to buy some Mangalargas and give me some Mangalargas when I was a kid to have at my grandfather's farm on my mom's side.
1: We should explain. Yeah, we should explain what a Mangalarga is.
5: Mangalarga, it's a breed in Brazil that started in the 1800s. It was a mix from Alto Rio from Portugal. It was a breed from Portugal that was brought to Brazil And, you know, believe it or not, my ancestors were the ones that started the breed in Brazil back in 1812. Amazing. Um, So somehow I think it was on my bloodline to deal with horses, but it's been dormant for 20 years because I moved to the U.S. and when I was like 19 years old and I had never dealt with horse here until I came to know Monty's farm Mm -hmm. and Monty's method. It's
1: a great so place to start. So that's how we
5: ended up there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's, it's fantastic. You 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 ended up here in a in a very roundabout way. You could tell that story.
5: Yeah. So you know the reason we ended up there. My wife and I. We were you know at the jacuzzi talking. Okay, we're going to go to Brazil this year. You know, I want to go to the farm. i was telling her I always love go to the farm. Going to the farm, and you know we have like about seven horses that are sitting there for a few years now, they're breeding and all of that, and they're like wild horse. Mm -hmm. No one is dealing with them. They haven't been touched. So I told her, I said, look, we need to hire someone to, you know, over there, Like how they say it, to break the horse, right? And Mm -hmm. over there, you pay like someone a salary per month. It's based, Brazil's not by the hour, it's based on salary, minimum salary. So you pay one salary a month. to to someone to, you know, break your horse. And it takes like three months. And then I said, well, let me Google this, right? Let me Google (laughs) how to tame a horse. And then I saw in Brazil a video of a person doing or starting a horse on a very different method I I had never heard about, a gentling way of dealing with horses. And then something clicked. I said, wait a moment. I have a cousin in Brazil that he got a job at Experian Corporation in -hmm. Brazil, and right at the beginning, he got sent to this farm in California to learn how to partner with a horse, even though he's not a horse person. He told me there was something about partnership with horse that's good for business on how to deal with horses. You learn how to deal with people and with a team of people. So I Remember, he mentioned something about that, so I checked my WhatsApp history and then I saw Monty Roberts on the picture he had sent me. And then I went and googled and then I found out you guys had classes and there was one starting. And then a week later, we had signed up for the classes and he came for a couple of days. We stayed a couple of weeks, yeah. <laughs> and we had a fantastic time, um, you know. So now. There was me dealing with horses before knowing Monty uh, and before knowing Monty Roberts. And there's the after, you know. And and now we have this upcoming trip that we start talking about back then on the jacuzzi. What we're going to do with those horses. We're going to hire someone to break the horse. Now we're going to deal with the horse herself. We're going to start them. Monty's method from what we've seen. We're going to go try for ourselves. We're very excited. Uh, we're going to build a round pen over there. So there's a lot, a lot of expectations. There's a lot of learning. You know, there's one thing of you dealing with horses before and after Monty. So it's a totally different world for us. And, and for the horses. What we learned.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you're such a good student. So I should explain a couple things. First of all. Did everybody catch what he just said? He hasn't really worked with horses for 20 years, but you grew up with horses. There's so many of us listening to this that are in that category that they grew up with horses and then, you know, the life got in the way and they went off to college or whatever and they're getting back into horses. But rarely do people get back into horses by going out and gathering up a group of feral horses and starting them. (laughs) That's a big leap. And I'm amazed at you. But, you know, I think... One of the things I noticed about your work with horses in the gentling pen straight away. I mean, you're literally taught the basics from on the first days with a gentling wild horse. It's all safe because you go into a system of chutes and small areas to work with the horses. So the horses feel safe. You're breathing. I, you know, we, we should talk a little bit about that, how you, you stayed calm and those things. Plus, I think, although there's something about that you have... You have very low adrenaline <laughs> and it's really great. The, you can tell the horses can tell from, you know, 15 feet away that they don't they don't elevate their adrenaline when they're near use, which is really a great indicator that you will be fine working around these horses down in Brazil. But do you feel like you come by that naturally or was that something that you were learning on the time you were at here at here at the Gently Wild Horse course?
5: I feel that I've learned a lot. I am a very agitated person, you know, really? I, I run, I run to do everything. I want to go get things done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go grab that horse. I'm going to run to go grab that horse and come back and all that. So one of the things I learned, you know, that I hear over and over again when learning from Mont is like move as you're in heavy oil. And that's a difficult thing for me to learn to calm myself down and move as if you were in heavy oil and one of the things I learned, like you said, is breathing, you know, to bring your adrenaline down. That's an important thing, That diaphragmatic breathing uh, that I never heard before. And it's something I've been working on. So it can help me be calm with the horses. But overall, I think the most important thing, it's overcoming my fear, just like my wife overcame hers. Even though I like horses, I do have a little bit of fear. You think they're going to kick you. Because you don't know them anymore. Right. for That's respect. You
1: start I think that's smart. Learning from
5: Monty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm always scared it's going to kick me, but, you know, you think horses are made to kick if you don't know them. So, as you start with the gentling, as you start understanding them, learning how they communicate, and that they're just afraid of how Monty says, neophab- neophobic,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Anything neophobic. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right.
5: So, You know, we learned that they just need to get used to things and, you know, that they don't need to be afraid and we don't need to be afraid. So I am, you know, I I am a horse person. I I was a horse person when a kid Mm
0: -hmm. and.
5: Now I am learning that I don't have to even be scared with the horses as long Mm -hmm. as I understand them.
1: And Beatrice is not a large person. You're not a large person. You know, it's not a muscly thing at all. This is one thing that I like about the techniques, too, is that, um, you know, There is a pervasive number of women in our, our industry here in the United States. And women have always been told traditionally that it's a man's game to start these horses because you have to be big and strong and, you know, make sure that they don't dominate you. You need to dominate them. One of the things I saw upside down world when I was in Brazil, it was mostly men in the horse industry. So that'll be interesting to see how Beatrice is you know, how people respond to her working with the horses. What do you think?
5: It's funny you should say that. Uh, I was shocked myself when I came to class and and I only see girls <laughs> on the right. class. i expect would be all males on the class. And it's very interesting. I think it's something that definitely in Brazil, everyone thinks it's a men's job or it's more men involved with horses for sure. But I think from what I saw over here, To my shock is that mostly women are the people dealing with horses in the U.S., and I think that's something we need to explore in Brazil. We need to not only expand Monty's method of nonviolence, which is already spread in Brazil and it's already known, but we could also explore and show, look, this Ladies can deal with horses. Ladies can have fun with horses. In fact, did you know that in the U.S. it's mostly ladies? Mm-hmm. And I think Beatrice's experience and, and her success, I think we could it could help spread the message there. I think it's important to show that women can deal with horses even better than men. I think it's really important to spread that message over there as well.
1: Yes, we've got to teach the men, I guess, <laughs> how to deal with this. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> but well, I'm so excited. We'll have to have Beatrice on after you um, have been there a few months. We can get an update on you know your progress too. But I wanted to hearken back just a little bit about this breed too. So so your family really came to cross these horses from Portugal. So tradition says. Um, 1812 or so, this breed and your family was in, involved in this breed. Tell us a little bit about the breed. What are you going to see when you get down to Brazil? Are they um, are fire breathing dragons or do they have a sort of sweet nature? I know they're gated. So, what is, I mean, you have the Mangalaga Marchador or do you just have the Mangalaga? So, we have the Mangalaga
5: and. Okay. And there are two breeds. There's there's Mangalarga Machador and the Mangalarga Paulista. What happened is it all started, you know, back then in Minas Gerais State, where they started the breed. And then when some of the Junqueras moved to Sao Paulo, there were no longer uh, land with high uh, mountains and all of that. So they adapted the Mangalarga for different terrain. And that's how it came, the Mangalarga Paulista. We have the Mangalarga Paulista. Paulista means... From São Paulo, and we're in the uh, São Paulo state as well. So we have a few Mangalarga Paulista. They're not the Mangalarga Machador. The type of Mangalarga we have, they're they're sweet. They're not like a dragon. I, I mm-hmm. think they're okay from my experience with them. I've I mean, again, I've never dealt with the one that's ungentle um, or feral, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, So I have some updates for you after I see them.
1: (laughs) Very good. Yes. We'll want to know how you did. And uh, so you're going to build a round pin. And I know you talked a little bit about having some way to contain them in a smaller area, not a chute per se. But our chutes are not what people think of as like a squeeze chute or a cattle chute. Really, it's just a safe place for the horse. Do you remember your exercises to get the horses to feel safer in the chute than they did outside the chute? I absolutely
5: remember. That's the one thing I re- I think about every day. And that's the first thing on my list of plans. So our plan when we get there is, you know, to grab those horses. So the idea is that we're going to take about 10 days to build a round pen. are round pens being built, those first 10 days we would like to – start using the methods of desensitizing the horses, as we learned at the gentling wild horse uh, with Monty. So the one thing, as you were saying there, remember, we have a cattle chute, so, but I remember at our, our farm, the cattle chute at the corral, it's like a little corridor, there's a gate in front of the chute and one in the back, just like you have at your gentling wild pen. So... What we'll do, we're going to learn on how to keep them inside of the chute. You know, we're going to pressure them while they're out. We're Mm going to lower the energy when they're in Mm
0: -hmm. until
5: they're comfortable being in without any
1: pressure. So I absolutely remember this and I can't wait to try it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so much fun to see them. I mean, uh, we always explain that horses are not den animals. You know, they're typically not looking for a cave to live in. They like to see all around them and, and uh, you know, picture the horses on the Mongolian steppes or something. They can see for miles and miles in each direction. That is more the comfortable environment for horses. So it's counterintuitive to think that they would feel safer in an enclosed area than they would in the bigger, say, round pen area fifty feet across or whatever. Um, but when you are as the human, the predator out there and your breathing is shallow and you do the, you know, huffy puffy stuff and the eyes are on eyes, you become an uncomfortable environment for the horse. And pretty soon when they go inside the chute and you breathe down and you everything goes calm, how long did it take you before the horses started Saying, you know what, I'll stay in the chute. Thank you, even though the gates are open.
5: Debbie took less than ten minutes. Yeah, it was unbelievable.
1: Nobody it, will believe that, Baldo.
5: You know that. Right? <laughs> but it did. You know, I and I wouldn't believe myself if I hadn't. Seen, and it's listen. Anyone that has dealt with horses, you know, how in the world would I know you're not supposed to look a horse in the eye? That means goes away. You know, mm-hmm. so you learn so much that you have no idea. You know. It's unbelievable, the join-up experience. It's things, it's a different world. I had no idea, you know, and I've also watched some videos at the uni, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Like, you know, how are you going to get the horse on the pasture? That's my first problem, right? I'm going to get in Brazil. I have these wild horses. Yeah. And they're going to run away when I approach them, right? So I even learned how to do join-ups in the pasture by watching some videos, And I actually did the join-up class too. And then one of the exercises was like, you guys have to do a join-up on the pasture. But I had already watched the video on on uni and that helped me. So there's so much stuff that you can learn about horses that will will change your perspective. Yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. I agree. So, and and finally, too, I think we should bring it around to your world right now. You live in the Long Beach area, and you've worked for the 20 years as a. You have your own company in technology, and you do a lot of work with major businesses. But you also raise two kids. What do you think these concepts have changed? Maybe in your approach to either raising your two little boys that are so adorable, and or maybe even your business models.
5: I can tell you that Beatrice, my wife, has said, you know, I've improved on the way I talk to the kids after doing uh, Monty's methods course with the horses. And I think it's about one of the things that I learned that I believe will help me dealing with my team in my business and with my kids is that it's the positive instant uh, Mm -hmm. consequences, you say. I think we need to focus more on rewarding the positive thing that our kids does or or our team members does, rather than focus when they do something wrong. You say, look, that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that. Because we're very quickly to tell "Hey, you're doing something wrong and we should be quickly telling how great they're doing when they're doing the right things. So I mm-hmm. think that's the most important message I take for my life right now. And yes, we, we live in Long Beach now, have a couple kids uh, seven years seven years old and three years old then at Broad PC we do IT consulting for many different business and our job is to deal with people most of the time frustrated people because people a lot of people they don't understand technology and they get very frustrated about it Mm -hmm. and you got to deal with all types of people. Um, I think I'm going from one into pressure business to another one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've learned that into pressure. Yes, we're trying to we're trying to get off pressure, aren't we? All the time. <laughs> That's
5: right. So. Um, I'm going from into pressure to going off pressure with the horses, hopefully. Yeah,
1: Yeah, you will. You will. Well, it'll be really exciting to follow your story. We're really excited that you're, and you're going to be here for Thanksgiving. I'm really excited. Your family is now our family, and we're we're having so much fun together. So between helping the farm become more progressive technology-wise with our internet, and we're helping you with your horses, I'm really excited about this alliance.
5: We're very excited to, you know, we're very happy to have met you and your family and we're very happy to be with you guys at Thanksgiving. But overall, I think just knowing a world, you know, one of the things that Monty says when you're dealing with a horse is like, leave all the malice behind.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
5: feel that every time you walk into Flag's Up Farm, it's like you leave everything behind, you mm-hmm. know. That's very nice. It's a calming world. It's It's a world of good and it's amazing. We're very pleased to have magic guys, and, and, and we're, you know, we're excited. I mean, we just mm-hmm. learned about you guys and we we jumped in. We fell in love with the course, with the methods, with the horses and, and hey, we're going to Brazil with a new purpose now. That's I love it. Spread the words,
1: you know. Yeah. Thank you, ambassador. <laughs> it's, great. <laughs> it's great to have you out there. And I, I know I wish you so much luck with all seven of those horses and we want to hear their names and their stories when you're back.
5: Sounds good. I look forward yep. to it. Thank you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word.
2: It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
6: Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, you've created special programs for veterans, abused children, and people with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. What is it about the impact of horses on these people? Monty's answer. Those familiar with my thoughts on healing should know that I don't believe there should be a D in PTSD. The D and PTSD should have been an I to stand for injury. Going to war and coming home with extreme trauma is an injury and not a disorder. Injuries heal, disorders tend not to. This helps veterans avoid becoming a victim of the system that does not train them to re-enter civilian life. Instead, the horses help participants grow to trust again. Trust is the essential ingredient in horses helping humans. When humans can get their anatomy to convince a horse to trust them, then the horses realize that trust is possible. Horses are flight animals and to gain their trust, we must get our physiology right. Emotional control, breathing, and communication are part of the skill sets that participants gain from the horses in order to achieve join up in our Horse Sense and Healing program. We accept veterans and first responders plus their supporters. Since 2010, We have been amazed at the healing and the ripple effect through the families that horses have had. Read more about the program and consider supporting the program through the nonprofit. The
1: horses and our military and first responders deserve it. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Coro is your source for all things horse. As a one-stop online shopping destination, you can find all your favorite horse products for the best prices, shipped directly to your barn door. Coro was created for the horse owner and horse care professional alike to make caring for your horse even easier with industry expertise, tried and tested products, and horse-inspired storytelling under one roof. Coro has something for everyone, no matter what breed your horse is or what their job may be. They care about the way you care about your horse, which is why they have tons of content on their blog, Coro Stories, and have created a community on their social platforms to help educate, entertain, and inspire horsemen and horsewomen alike. Now, for the holidays, Coro is launching a virtual pop-up shop that's going to feature some unique gift ideas for everyone on your shopping list. So you can get to your go-to favorite horse products, plus some fun items from small, local, U.S.-based artisans, as well as some of your favorite equine brands that will make great gifts for your trainer, your groom, pony kid, and all the other horse enthusiasts on your holiday shopping list. Check out their website today at Coroshop.com. That's C O R R O S H O P.com. And use the code Horsemanship10 for 10% off your first order today. That's Horsemanship10 for the love of your horse, Coro. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on
0: here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged in December, December four through six. Now we have our horse sense and healing for veterans and first responders suffering from post-traumatic stress. And then we have leaping over to February eight through 12th. We have our Monty special training, five days of special training with Monty and many, many horses. It's really fun. Dun, dun, dun. They keep busy all year round at Flag is Up Farm. If
2: you want to see more about the calendar, or any other information, you're going to go to roberts.com You're going to find the calendar. You're going to find the Monty Roberts University. You're going to find Q&A. You're going to find the schedule that's going on at the farm. You're going to find special events. It's all there. Roberts.com. You're also going to find the phone number at Roberts.com, But in case you don't go there, it's 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, number 173, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com. You're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. In order to give us feedback so we know what sort of guests you want to hear about on the show, you're going to go to Facebook. Just go up there in the top, type in Monty Roberts, like and follow the one with the little blue check mark. That's the official page. And Monty Roberts is also on Twitter and Instagram. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And go get the app if you haven't done that already. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network and download it today because you can get Horsemanship Radio as well as all the other great podcasts on Horse Radio Network downloaded directly to your phone. You'll never have to miss one again. Or you can be old school, listen to me, old school, and listen to all of the podcasts on iTunes, Spotify,
1: etc. So old. So old. Okay, and many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Finish Line Fencing. We have Coro in here and Monty Roberts University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.